So the message we were trying to get across in the Built to Last series is that we can make it through the difficult times of life. We can make it. And, uh, and, and as we've been talking about, you know, it, you know, just looking around the room, I just see some of you and I just think about some of you been through some very difficult times, if not just recently, just in the last year, the last few years. I mean, I, I can just look across the room and th- there's nobody immune to trials and tribulations. And so, you know, it's not that we don't go through trials and tribulations, but I believe that God has, has equipped us to outlast the storms of life. We can make it. And, uh, you know, Psalm 34, 19 is, is a tremendous verse that says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. That's a great verse right now. I don't know if you're familiar with that verse. You might want to write that down. You might want to write that on an index card. You might want to memorize that verse and just get it down in your heart. And because you need to know that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. Amen. Now, last week we asked the question, how do you position your life or your family to outlast the storms of life. And we talked about that. We unpacked that. We said, it's really the foundation that matters. If you got a right foundation, you're going to make it. If you don't have a good foundation when the storm hits, you're going to collapse. And we talked about that apostolic leader in the Middle East and how he learned that he had to work on the foundation so that the churches that he was building would survive the earthquakes. And I believe that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to survive not just the tremors, but he wants us to survive the earthquakes of life, the big, the big, dark, deep issues of life. Amen? And so we unpack that about you got to dig the footings of your foundation. you got to get the word of God in your foundation. you got to not just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. Amen? And we got to learn not to just focus on our external, uh, our, our external religion or relationship, but we got to let God get in down into our heart and just really be transparent and say, Lord, what's going on inside here? Because I want my heart to be right with you. Amen? And you know, the thing about, you know, uh, you know, the foundation is you never know what kind of foundation you really have until the storm hits. And so we got to get this. We got to work on the foundation before the storm hits, not after the storm hits. Amen. Now, today we want to just answer another question. And the question is this. What is it? What is it that the Lord or how is it that the Lord equips the Christian that helps them to outlast the storms. What's the difference between somebody that's a Christian and somebody that's not? That's a good question, isn't it? What is it that's different about a believer? And as I was just pondering that thought, you know, I, there's probably a long list, but I, I just want to talk about uh, just three important resources that every believer possesses that's given to him by the Creator himself. And the first one is this. God has given every believer the gift of trust. It's a gift to be able to trust. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. 
You know, other translations says, they that wait upon the Lord. You know, the word wait means to trust. It means to rely on. It means to lean on. Trust is having the attitude and the confidence that something good and beneficial is going to happen for me. And whenever you have faith in the Lord, you don't live without that trust that God is going to come through for me. Are y'all with me out there? And so we got to trust the Lord. When you learn to trust the Lord, things begin to change. And, the, and one of the things that changes is trusting the Lord infuses you with hope. Isn't it good to have hope, gang? Have you ever been hopeless? You know, listen, one of the greatest battles we face when we go through great trials and tribulations is really the feeling of hopelessness. And hopelessness is that despairing feeling that I don't know that any good can come out of this. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm not sure that even God can get me out of this fix. But hope, hope is the feeling that God is going to come through. God is going to help me. Amen. Trusting in the Lord helps you overcome the smothering grip of hopelessness. Listen, if you are in this room today, you do not have to be hopeless. You can be hopeful because we serve a God of hope. He's a God of hope. Amen. Romans 15, 13 says this. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy peace because you trust in him then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the holy spirit so listen whenever you have hope you can have joy when you have hope you can have peace when you have hope you can have the strength of confidence that you can make it through the storm amen do you know you can make it through the storm and somebody in this room right now just needs to hear this that you can make it through your storm. God is a God of hope, and he's saying, it doesn't matter what you're facing, what you've been through, where you're at, what it looks like in the natural. I want you to know that I can provide a roadway in the wilderness. I can provide a stream in the desert. It doesn't have to make sense in the natural for me to get you out of the fix that you're in. Amen? So you need to be filled with hope. I was thinking about hope and the power of hope. And I remember, uh, those of you that have been here for a few years, remember Pastor Brad's sons. And, and just, I, I can't remember exactly, but I think it was only three or four days before Pastor Brad went to be with the Lord. And Pastor Brad had cancer, and, and, um, and, and he succumbed to the cancer, and he didn't get healed on this side, but he's dancing in glory now. Amen? But I can remember me and, and another friend of his, we were standing at his bedside just maybe f- three or four days before he went to be with the Lord. And he looked at us and he said, listen, if this thing goes south, I will need y'all to help me sell my camp. And when he made that comment, I was thinking, oh, my Lord, if this thing goes south. But, you know, the amazing thing is that he was just days away He was facing cancer square in the face. And he was saying, if this goes south, I'm going to need some help with some things. Pastor Brad never lost hope. He had strength till the very end. 
So I'm thinking to myself, if Pastor Brad can have hope and have strength and laying in the bed, facing cancer and death in the face, well, bless the Lord, I should be able to face whatever I'm facing and be hopeful, and I think you should too. Amen? Come on. God is a God of hope, and today you need to know that if you trust him, you can be filled with hope. Amen? But you know... Trusting the Lord also gives us the strength of possibility. When we put our trust in the Lord, you know that nothing is out of the realm of possibility. You know that? You know, listen, in the natural, there's limitations. But in God's realm, there's no limitations. And Abraham is a perfect example of the power of trusting God. And you know, the Lord told Abraham, Abraham, your children are going to, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky. However, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, were beyond childbearing years. In the natural, it didn't make sense. But the Bible tells us that Abraham decided he was going to trust the Lord. And in verse in in Romans 4 and 18, it says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. He kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. So you remember the promise the Lord gave Abraham that his descendants would be like the stars. Yet Abraham and Sarah were not in a natural place to be able to see that happen. But he refused to give in to despair. He refused to give in to despair. And he said, no, listen, God said it. Well, bless the Lord. I'm going to experience it. Amen. And so sometimes in the face of everything you see in the natural, you just got to face despair, write down, look at despair and say, listen, the Lord has said that he will forsake me. He's going to be with me through the thick and the thin, and I'm going to make it through what I'm going through. Amen. And that's what Abraham did. And verse 20 says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, His faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Now, why does trusting God help people overcome adversity? Because they're infused with the belief and the hope that it doesn't matter what I see in the natural, what it looks like in the natural. God can do anything. He can do all things. He can can part the sea for me. And so we got to trust God. In in Mark chapter 9, Jesus said, anything is possible if a person believes. How many miracles has people in the church across the world? How many miracles? How many Red Sea experiences have happened in the church? How many divine deliverances, supernatural deliverances, things that should have not worked out, work out? How many of these miracles are throughout the world because somebody just just refused to give in to despair and said, I'm just going to believe God. Amen. And there's something about the hope that you have when you can trust God and believe God. Things begin to happen in the natural whenever it's down in inside of you in the spiritual. Amen. And I just want to encourage you today. Why is it that Christians survive the storms and non-Christians don't? If you don't have any hope, how can you make it? Amen. But trusting God, believing in God can do a miracle for you. But you know, one last thing that trusting the Lord helps you with, it just fills you with peace. It gives you the blessing of peace. You know, most of the time it's the internal emotional battles that really get us. It's not really what we're facing. It's the internal. It drains you. Fear drains you. 
Anxiety drains you. Stress drains you. Discouragement drains you. And some people can't make it because they've totally been zapped of strength because they have all this emotional turmoil going on inside of them. But then they meet the Prince of Peace. And the Prince of Peace speaks to the storm of emotions and said, Hush, be still. Hush, be still. And fear has to bow down. And worry has to bend its knee. And stress has to evaporate because the Prince of Peace just arrived on the scene. Amen? It's the Lord's supernatural peace. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. I, don't, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled or neither, neither let it be afraid. So here's how it works. When you become a Christian, you're gifted with the ability to trust God. How many of you trust God? Do you know that's a gift? Do you know that's a gift? It's a gift to be able to trust God. And when you trust God, you have hope that the miraculous can happen. Miraculous things can happen. And when you're filled with the hope that the miraculous can happen, then you can have the peace of God in your heart. And when you have the peace of God in your heart, you can keep on keeping on. Amen. They that trust in the Lord, they that hope in the Lord will gain new strength. And the circumstances might have drained them, but when they put their hope and trust in God, they're infused with new strength and they keep going long after everybody else gave up. Amen. The second God-given resource every believer has been gifted with is that I believe that God has given us the supernatural or the, excuse me, the unnatural empowerment of His Spirit. The unnatural. There's two kinds of power that people experience. The natural power, natural power, and supernatural power. There's natural strength and there's supernatural strength. What the Lord gives the believer is supernatural strength. Do y'all believe that this morning? That if you're a believer, you can you tap in the supernatural strength? That you don't have to rely on your own strength? You don't have to rely on human strength? And whenever you've run out of your own strength, another strength can kick in and bring you to the other side. Amen? And that's what the, that's what the Scripture in Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 12, it says... By my power, I will make my people strong. And by my authority, they will go wherever they wish. I, the Lord, have spoken. How many of you know it's God's power that makes us supernaturally strong? Is there a difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? Well, as I read my Bible, there is. There is. A Christian can be empowered with the supernatural power of God. The Bible says when you become a Christian, you be, get born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God comes inside of you. That, my friends, is not a little thing. That, my friends, is a great thing. Amen? Come on, the unclean spirit has to come out of you to make room for the Holy Spirit that fills you. Amen? And we can be filled with the Spirit. And so when you get the blessing of a Spirit, you become supernaturally helped. How does God's Spirit help you handle life's problems? Well, first of all, God's Spirit empowers you to respond correctly to life's situations. How many of you know that's important? Because listen, sometimes our problems are really not our problem. Our problem is how we respond to our problem. 
Sometimes it's not the situation that we're dealing with. It's how we respond to the situation that we're dealing with that's going to determine whether we can keep going or not. And so then the question is, how do you respond correctly? Well, you need the Spirit's help. Amen? Because listen, if I respond to my problems in the flesh, if I get in the flesh, well, if I do that, then how many of you know I'm not helping myself? I can dig myself up. I can be in a hole and go deeper with my own response. Are y'all with me out there? So listen, if I respond, however, to my problems in the spirit, I can contribute to me getting out of the pit that I'm in. Amen. So I have a choice. I can put a shovel in my hand and dig deeper. or I can get on God's ladder and get out of the pit by the way that I respond. Come on. Are y'all hearing me out there? And so if I allow my problems to get me bitter or angry or act ungodly, I'm digging myself a hole. Amen. So I need to let the spirit of God rule my life. Galatians 5, 17. So I say to you, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Come on. How many of you believe we need to let the Holy Spirit guide our life? Amen. How many of you know you could go from the spirit to the flesh in a New York second? Amen. But we need to be careful not to get up in the flesh and stay in the spirit because it's the spirit of God that will help us get out of the pit that we're in. So here's what I believe. The Holy Spirit empowers us to respond correctly to life situations, allowing us the opportunity to outlast any trial and tribulation we go through. Can I just one more time just make this point? You know, what I've seen is that, you know, when people like for those of you that have been married and have been divorced, I've seen people that they never survive that. They never they never get past that. And it's because they don't let the spirit of God rule over their life. The enemy will try to make you believe you're a failure try to make you be bitter, make you be angry, make you be resentful, make you attack the other person. But the Spirit of God says, no, don't do that. You just forgive them. You just keep your focus and eyes on me. I'm going to bring healing to your heart. I'm going to just break that 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 shroud of, of failure off of you, and you will be able to last and last and last. Amen. When the Bible says I have a purpose and a plan for you, there's not a clause in there that says unless you get fired from your job, unless your marriage fails, unless you you come from a different place. The Bible says he's got a purpose and he's got a plan, period. Amen. Period. Come on. God's got a plan for you. And aren't you glad he's a God of second chances? And even whenever I blow it and I destroy things myself, thank God he's a God of second chances. Amen. So listen, God's spirit helps you respond correctly to life's situation, but God's spirit also empowers you with unnatural strength. Remember when David and Goliath, y'all familiar with that story, right? David and Goliath, you know, you learn it whenever you're a child in church and, you know, it's a great story, you know, and, and man, it's just, oh, it's great. You know, the underdog beats the, 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 you know, the bully, you know, it's a great story. But you know, when David defeated Goliath, he wasn't supposed to defeat Goliath. Goliath was nine foot tall. He, he was, you know, 150, 300 pounds heavier than him. David was just a little small, scrawny boy. 
David had, didn't have in the natural the things that, you know, you know, Saul was trying to give him his arm. And I just picture it. And he put the helmet on David and the helmet came down so far David couldn't even see. And he put the, the breastplate on him and it was hanging to the floor and David couldn't walk. He was tripping over it. And Saul says, use this armor to go fight, you know, the Philistine. And David's like, I can't even see the dude, man. And so he took the helmet off, took the, he, I can't fight with this. Give me my sling, give me my stone. And you know, that's a beautiful picture of it. It wasn't supposed to turn out that way. David wasn't supposed to win that battle, but David won the battle. Why did David win the battle? Was because he was so, he was so skilled at archery. Because he was, he had a, a, he had a certificate in slingshot. No, that wasn't it at all. In fact, David said this in 1 Samuel 17 and 45. It said, David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spirit and javelin. That's natural strength. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. That's supernatural strength. The God of the armies of Israel whom you've defiled. Amen. I'm not coming at this situation in my strength. I'm coming in supernatural strength. Amen. Remember the apostle Paul. I mean, that guy went through a lot. And he never stopped preaching. He never stopped building the kingdom. And, and, you know, he went through battles. Whenever I read the list of things that he went through, I, I think I'm a whiny baby. You know, and, and listen, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. I would have been done right there. 25, verse 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but they are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty. I have gone, often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all of this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. How many of you have been the apostle Paul? You'd have said, I'm done. I'm done. I give up. How did the apostle Paul survive? How did he make it through that? Well, he tells us, he gives us the solution. Philippians 4:13. Paul is the one that said, I can do all things. How? How? Through Christ who strengthens me. So the question is, how do you and I get through what we're going through? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't have it in myself to do it. You don't have it in yourself to do it. But if you are a Christian, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit sets on inside of you. And I love what Romans 8, 11 says. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Amen. Now, come on. I'm 
think I get the picture that here's the dead man in the grave. Here's Jesus laying in the grave and the spirit of resurrection comes on him and he's got to come out of the grave. Lazarus was dead, beginning to stink and the spirit of resurrection came on him and he came out of the grave. Well, I might have some problems, but I ain't dead yet. And so that's greater. And if he can get Lazarus out of the grave and Jesus out of the grave, then he can get you out of your grave. He can get me out of our grave and we can make it gain. Amen. We can make it. We can make it through the supernatural power of God. Amen. Are y'all following me? Are y'all tracking? Oh my goodness. Isn't that good news today? It's good news. It's good news. The third source that God has given every, every believer resource, God has given us the support system of the church family. Now, you know, after we talked about trusting God and the power of his spirit, you might say, oh, you didn't have another good point? Well, hold on. Let's, let's just hang on just a minute. You know, God uses the physical body as an analogy to describe how the church family belongs together, needs to work together, and help each other. Doesn't he? If you're familiar with the Bible, he uses the the. the the body analogy to describe the importance of the church family. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 4, he says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. What's he saying? I believe the church family has been established so we can support and strengthen one another. That we don't have to rely on our own ability and our own faith and our own encouragement to get through what we're going through. In Ephesians 4.16, he says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And you know, I believe that, you know, Satan... He's not stupid. That's why Jesus said you need to be wise as serpent, gentle as a dove. He's not stupid. And he knows what I'm telling you today. And so he knows that if you just throw in your faith, throw in your trust and, and, and believing in God, that you're weakened. You're not going to be able to survive as much trials and tribulations in life. So he'll try to do whatever he can to make you just doubt your faith. But you know what else he'll do? He'll say, that's spirit stuff. That's, that's, that's hokey pokey stuff. You don't even need that. Just go to church. Just be a good person and forget about that Holy Spirit stuff. Because he knows that's the resurrecting power. So if he can talk you out of the power, he'll be glad to do that. Amen? But you know what else he'll do? He'll tell you, you don't need these church folk. Besides, most of them are strange anyway. They don't think like you. They don't act like you. They don't believe like you. You don't need all those people. Because he knows that if he can get you out of being connected to the church family, he's positioning you to defeat you. Let me ask you a question. Can my right hand do better and, and survive more trials attached to the rest of this body? Or would it be better if I just cut it off and threw it on the side and it'd be better off over there? No, obviously, right? Obviously, my hand will do a lot better if it's connected to the body. The Bible says you're a hand, you're a foot, you're a toe. We're all organs of the body. We're all members of the body. And he said we belong with each other. 
Why is he telling us to belong with each other? Because saints, listen, we need each other. Listen, you might not need anybody right now. But what about when you're going through the darkest time and trial of your life, like this family right here? How many of you think it's a good idea that they have family around them, church family around them, to help them, encourage them? In fact, you know, I heard there was a family that drove all the way to Mississippi to just check on them. That's church family, saints. Come on, that's, that's the power of church family. And so we got to realize we need to stay connected to the body. The reality is we can't go through all the trials of life without the support of one another. We really are better together. It's not just a little quote. It's not just a little cute saying. We're better together. We are better together. How many of you know my hands are better connected to this body right here? Amen? And so, listen, we're stronger together. We can get through more together, so we need to get connected to one another. Does that make sense? And, and you know, right just recently, just hearing about, about uh, stories of the flood, there are people that had no friends. They were connected to nobody. Now, the good news is they wasn't having nobody in their business. They didn't have to worry about nobody. They could just do whatever they wanted. Then the flood came and their house flooded. And they stood up in their flooded house and looked around and said, who's going to help me? Well, I'm going to call my friends. Who's your friend? Well, well, well. But then they got other people. They stood up in their house and they didn't even have to call anybody. Somebody called them. I heard your house flooded. Yes, it did. I'm going to be there right away. And people came and flooded their house with love and with grace and helped them get back on their feet. That's an example. And the Bible says don't neglect the gathering together as some do, especially as the day draws near. In other words, it's going to get worse. We need each other more and more as every day passes. Amen. Come on. We need it. Do y'all agree? We need each other. We need each other. And so listen, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And the analogy I just gave you, that's the analogy. They, they didn't have any friends. And so they found themselves all alone. Listen, the family of God is designed so that no Christian would be an orphan. No Christian would be without a family. And in our society where there's so much, there's so much brokenness in relationship and all that, and we got this independence about us, I don't need anybody. Not right now you don't. But one day you just might. You just might need someone. And God has connected us together. In fact, that verse 12 says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided card is not easily broken. 
Come on, that's a good verse right there. Amen? Come on, we need somebody we can stand back to back with. We need somebody that we can lock arms with. Amen? And so look, you watch my back, I'm going to watch your back. If you get hit, I'm coming to your aid. If you get hit, I'm coming to your aid. We're going to make it through this thing. Come on, let's get, let's get in it together. Let's roll up our sleeves and let's win the battle. Amen? And let's win the battle. Amen? Amen. So, so listen, some of us are getting defeated because we're fighting all alone. Some of us are getting discouraged because we're, we're walking all alone. And I want to encourage you. I know everybody's busy. And I know it's not so easy to, to get connected and make friends. But listen, I want to encourage you. Everybody needs someone to relationally get connected to. Do y'all receive this this morning? You know, I don't know how, how to make it more stronger than what I'm just giving you. But I believe we need it. Amen? Amen. So listen, we have a bunch of life group signups this morning. Why we do that? It's a way to get connected. Help you grow in your faith, but get connected. You know, listen, you might, you might be so strong spiritually, you know a lot. But do you have any friends? Are you connected to anybody? Amen? Because whenever your house floods, you need bodies, like people, like with eyeballs and hands. Amen? That put, can put some gloves on. You know what I'm saying? And so I want to encourage you. Go to the... T- Listen, we have all kinds of options, but I'm encouraging you to tap into it. Get connected. Are y'all hearing me? How many of you right now say, I'm hearing you, but I ain't doing it? Come on, how many? Raise your hand if you're saying, I ain't doing it. Ask yourself the question, why? Why? See, we're every week now, we're doing the spiritual growth track because we have nothing to do on Sunday afternoon right after second service. No, no. It's a way to get connected, amen? And so listen, if we do our job as a pastoral staff, we need to get you arm in arm with somebody else, amen? That way, whenever you get hit, you're not going to fall down. You're going to make it through that thing, amen? But then the other thing is that, um, you know, some of you, you know, listen, I understand it's, for some of you, it's uncomfortable. I, what if I don't like these people? I mean, that's a good question, huh? What if I don't like them? What if they annoy me? Well, okay. Well, listen, find you a few Christian friends and you start a group. You start a group. We'll help you. We'll train you. See, a cord of three strands. You don't need a lot of people. You just need some people. You don't need a lot of people. You just need some people. And so some of you, you've been in church for 99 years. And you know others that are 99 years old in the church. Just ask them, hey, man, would you like to get together maybe twice a month, whatever? You know, let's get together and let's just build community. Amen? And listen, we'll help you with facility. We'll help you with resources if you need. The important thing is you get connected to other believers. Now listen, believers... You can get connected to somebody that's got a spirit, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. Come on, I just got to preaching right there. Come on, I felt the anointing drop on me right there. Come on, y'all know what I'm saying? 
Do we believe that Christians are filled with the Spirit of God, have divine wisdom, have divine empowerment, have divine encouragement, have divine hope? Do we believe that? Then that's who we want to get connected with so they can multiply our faith, they can multiply our hope and our encouragement so when we lack in, we'll be able to get it enforced by others around us. Amen. Come on, don't be yoked with 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 somebody that is on the wrong track. Amen. Because y'all ain't going to end up at the right place. Amen. Y'all received that this morning. Now, let me, let me just conclude with, with this, you know, this parable. Uh, I, I don't know what happened. to I just misplaced my page here. But the parable, do you have it? There you go. I just found my page. Luke chapter 15. Jesus told a parable. And he said this, he said in verse 4, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who does not need to repent. Now, there's a couple of different points in this story. And one is that Jesus wants every person to go to heaven. And if there's one person not there yet, he's going after you because he loves you and he wants to make sure you get there. Amen. But the other thing is he cares for every sheep. He cares for every sheep that every sheep is cared for. He knows if they're disconnected from the flock, they are not in good place. We need to get them back in this flock. So he takes a walk and he leaves the 99 to go get that one sheep that is somewhere lost out there and say, you need to come back in the fold, man. You are not doing a good thing by getting disconnected out there. Get back in the fold. Amen. Y'all track with that? Come on. Don't be the one sheep. Don't be the one sheep. Stay connected. Would you do me a favor and just stand with me? Let's pray together. Father, I pray for for us as a congregation. God, there's so much there's so much that we face every day to disjoin us, disconnect us. God, there's so much that we face every day to try to weaken our faith, to cause us to trust in other things besides you. God, would you help us today to just solidify our faith once again? They that trust in the Lord will gain new strength. I believe one of the reasons why Christians survive the storms of life is because of the hope that they have. That as dark as what I'm going through may seem, I know there's no dark pit that's too great for Jesus to not pull me out of it. And I believe that in this room this morning that God is wanting to give somebody just a, just a dose of, of strength and say, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. I'm going to get you out. I'm going to get you through. Come on, trust him. Just, just agree with him. Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to depend on you. Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make it. Come on, for some of us in this room, we just need to be reminded that God has given us his resurrection power. Come on, his resurrection power is in us. 
Come on, just, just agree with him. I've given you resurrecting power. And if I can pull somebody out of, out of the grave of death, I can pull you out of the pit you're in. Father, I pray, release your power. Release your resurrecting power. Lord, cause your strength to come upon every person that's in this room today. Thank you, Father God. Now, Lord, I pray that you would begin to, Lord, show us and give us, Lord, the, Lord, the revelation, the insight that we do need friends. We do need to connect with other godly people so that we can walk in hand in hand, arm in arm, so we can make it through the trials and tribulations of life. Thank you, Father God. The Lord, you're moving on our hearts, God, and you're just helping us to get healed of past hurts or past bad experiences. And the Lord, we're not allowing discouragement to separate us from the rest of the foe. Help us, Lord God, to just get reconnected this morning. Thank you, Father God. Now listen, if you're here today and you say, Todd, I might be one of those lost sheep. I don't know that I'm a Christian, but I want to be a Christian. Would you pray for me? I want to make sure that I'm one of the sheep in the fold of God. Pray for me today. I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I want to make sure that I make it whenever I end my life. I want to be in heaven. If that's you, would you do me a favor and just raise your hand? And I want to pray a special prayer for you. Just raise your hand and raise it high so I can see it. Anybody that says, Todd, pray for me. I want to know that I know that I know that whenever I die, I'm going to heaven. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Listen, if you're standing there and you know that you need to repent and ask Jesus to forgive you, we're going to pray this prayer together. Let's say it. Lord Jesus... Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood for me so my sins could be forgiven. Lord, I want to live the Christian life. I want to live with supernatural power. Would you forgive me? Would you save me? Would you allow me to be one of your children, empowered by your Spirit? Thank you, Jesus for accepting me today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And amen. Now listen, in the pew, there's a little trifold. encourage you to take that thing, fill it out, bring it into the, into the lobby, into the information center, and, uh, and they're going to give you some resources, a Bible if you need one, to help you get started on your journey. The rest of us, consider getting in one of the small groups or starting a small group. We will we'll do everything we can to help you get connected with a few godly people. Amen. The favor and the grace of God be upon you as you go today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day.